Yuji Krishnamurti said that the movement of life has no beginning and end. Life has no beginning and no end. It is timeless. It is eternal. But few understand it because what we call life is thousands of activities we do in our daily living. I will take the example of apple tree. Apple tree has life. But where is that life? Is it in the roots of the tree, stem of the tree, branches, leaves, flowers, or fruits? None of those. They are merely formation of life. And these formations, they will come and go. They will be born and they will die. Because life is something which is beyond all what we can see an apple tree, in an oak tree, in a lilac bush, or for that matter, anything. But because we are focused on our senses, and those five senses see this tree, apple tree, we get attached to it. So we think after the growth and death of an apple tree, life is over. Because same thing we apply in our own life. So what we think is life is, I'm educating myself, I will get a job, promotion, money, I fall in love, I get married, I have children, I created relationship, a social structure, I'm participating in birthdays, anniversaries, I'm traveling all over the world, I have a religion, I have a spiritual life, I'm meditating. And that is what we call life. And if some of them are not there, then I may feel, people may feel, I'm not living. My life is incomplete. And of course, we learn from others that the way they are living and we borrow the idea of life from them. So if I am not the same thing, 
I, if I don't have children or not children, if I have a good job or not a good job, particular house and so on and so forth, means my life is incomplete because that is what we do, comparing ourselves constantly. And if you look, look, these are the activities or forms of life, expression of life. It is not the life itself. And it is all in transition forever, in flux. And in the beginning of my life, in the middle part of the life, we are okay with it. But as we age, a disillusionment sets in. A sense of despair, a sense of grief, a sadness. Why? Because uh, we equated life with these activities. And they are slowly going to disappear or fade away or weaken. So my own body, our bodies were doing these thousands of activities, won't be able to do the same. Hiking, climbing, traveling, having sex, energy, sleep part, memory. So now there is a sort of grief or sadness. I'm losing it. It is inevitable, but I thought this is a life. Same thing happens with our parents. Now, slowly, they are going to leave our lives. Our children, they are going to make their own lives. And they may not respect us also about our views. And sometimes we feel, my goodness, I gave my whole life for them. And now they are defying me, disobeying me. Then our jobs, which we thought almost, you know, it will never end. Now we have to retire. Our social structure, our friends are slowly dying. They are sick. So all those thousands and thousands of activities to which we got very attached. And of course, death is going to stare at us. Inevitable. So there is a disillusionment. And this disillusionment is not the first time. There are actually three disillusionment which comes, they come in life. Number one, disillusionment comes when we are teenage. Because what happens by the time a child is nine years old, 
is conditioned to a culture, family, religion, or society. It plays heavy on the body. So body rewards, because in teenagehood, what happens? Lot of hormones. And those hormones created a particular way of thinking in the mind, thinking about thoughts. That is the primary uh, uh, quality of, of a teenage mind. I can think about my own thoughts. Before that, it was concrete thinking. I had thoughts, but I was not reflecting upon my thoughts. Once I reflect upon my thoughts, which are coming from my biology, I discover enormous possibilities in me. That is why each teenage is a, a superman, a superwoman. And a teenage realizes the main obstacle are their parents and caretakers. And that leads to a disillusionment. That is why all parents, they become villains in teenagehood. They are obstacles. So there is a rebellion. But the network of the society and culture is so tight. Slowly, slowly over the years, this teenage falls into line and become an ordinary adult, a regular adult of this society. Even from the 60s, when the hippie movement started, there was such a big rebellion and all those people became they, they just absorbed by the society. That is the first disillusionment which causes rebellion. The second one comes around the age of 40 and 45. And again, body plays a role because there are hormonal changes. Andropause, menopause starting. But this time, Disillusionment causes despair because by then people are so enmeshed in their life that they can think of it that I want to break this whole structure because there is a review of life. Whatever I wanted to achieve, I achieved by the time I'm 40 to 45 years. Now what? And biology is saying it. So there is a despair. But again, majority cannot change because by then they put such a vast structure to cut those threads, strings. It is very difficult. But the, today what we are talking about is the third one, which happens around the age of 60 to 65. Because at the age of 40 to 45, still death is far away. Because our mind is still separating death from the what we call life. After the 60 to 65, because now we are not only attending birthdays and anniversaries and celebrations and festival, we are also attending funerals.
also some of our friends, some of our uncles and aunts, and they are dying. Some of them early, some of them late. So these three disillusionment, first one causes rebellion, other two at the age of 40 to 45, mild despair, sadness, sometimes depression. Some people call it midlife crisis, but finally it sets in and there is no escape from it around the age of 60 to 65. Because we thought life is these thousands of activities, life is my body, the way it can function, and part of the mind, the way it can function. It was an identification. I was in illusion. So that is why disillusionment sets in. Because I was in illusion that things will last forever. And it's very interesting, actually, our brain has a mechanism to protect us from this negativity, particularly from the fear of death. It was a wonderful study done in Israel that how brain develops immunity, a mechanism. So we experience negativity outside, but we think this won't happen to us. So, and it's a very positive mechanism that because then we can live with some uh, measure of comfort in this world. Otherwise, we'll be very anxious. We'll be very stressed out. But this disillusionment, sense of grief, sense of loss, sense of sadness, regret actually is very positive. It is the most positive thing which could happen to us. All transformation of any kind, including a spiritual transformation, happens through disillusionment. Because the word is from illusion. Illusion means we are not perceiving the truth. Illusion means something is there, but I'm not perceiving it as such. And a very famous example is that uh, uh, from tropical country, a country like India, that you are walking in the night and there is a rope lying on the street. And you are looking at this rope and you are thinking it may be a snake. That is a very famous example from Indian teachings. Because in India, there are lots of snakes. And almost 25% of them are poisonous. Same thing, you're walking through a forest in the night and every movement of the branch or leaves or wind may give you a sensation there's something there. But actually nothing is there. That is what is called illusion. There is something there, but I'm not perceiving it rightly. Same thing, uh, you know, mirage in, in desert. While delusion is when nothing is there and mind, my mind is totally creating it. So this disillusionment which sets in actually 
it is a movement towards truth and what is that truth going behind of all these activities which i call life my relationship anything and looking into the life itself it is an invitation for transformation it is called one prastha in sanskrit going into the forest wandering discovering but we are very scared because we didn't know any other life and that life is slowly slipping so what we do we create a new form of life new relationship new work new volunteer this and that new trips new travels so old is slipping now we are bringing more distractions that is how many people escape into it but that doesn't help it only postpones because we are going to discover this totality of life but in a very agonizing way when we are closer or in a major illness closer to death so this disillusionment this despair actually is pointing that whole being is ready for transformation and we must take it so aging is nothing else but the postponed transformation which we did in young age and maturity too and that's okay but now no escape no distractions to access the life which has no beginning which has no end and what is life very quickly life has two component any form of life number one energy number two consciousness it's a very simple definition of life so whether it is a bacteria or a human being or an enlightened person a buddha or a jesus it doesn't make any difference it is energy and consciousness that consciousness may be different bacteria is not self aware we are self aware an enlightened human being are more aware that is the only difference so the next question comes what to do what action can be taken to really enter into that fullness of life because once we touch the very source of life if we drink from the very source of life then we realize actually we are not 
mortal beings. We are not this transitoriness, temporariness, where everything is in flux. Behind all this flows the same life with different forms, manifestation and expressions. And that is a very clear core. In Indian yoga, it is called accessing causal body, causal body, which is the cause of everything, causal body. And the beauty of causal body is that once we touch it, it brings bliss. In modern psychology, part of it is described as flow. In the moment of flow, we touch that life. Flow is not a complete experience because flow is the first inkling. Flow becomes a new ground on which we stand and take a leap finally into the fullness, wholeness of life. So how to start that process when we are in disillusionment, in despair? Of course, not to escape into distractions, another form of dream, dream which is going to come to an end. There are four pillars. There are four pillars, four actions you can call. Number one, material and mental pruning. Emptying our life from so many activities so that there could be a space for this newness. Material pruning is emptying out my house of unnecessary books, furniture, pots and pans, painting, all kinds of clutter which we accumulate in order to distract. So nothing, because empty space is scarce. So we fill up everything. So whenever we come, immediately we are distracted and don't feel lonely. So our inner loneliness is filled by external clutter, material pruning. And along with that, we have to empty out this mind a little bit, mental pruning. Because we are carrying so much from our past. We, are we were unhappy with our parents, our spouse, our partners, our children, our employees, our boss, our uncles, our aunts. So this is the time to make a checklist. All of us expect from our children. And when they don't fulfill our expectation, we carry a kind of grudge. See how much I did and now I'm not getting anything. That creates additional burden on us. So not only emptying out our house slowly, actually emptying our mind by making a checklist and slowly, slowly 
ticking it off. Okay. I told my children, whatever you did was fine, great, I'm happy with you. Start with that and slowly come to the terms with it internally. That is number one. Number two is fulfilling one or two dreams which you had. You wanted to travel, you wanted to write a book, learn music, learn arts, or any one of those, because each one of us have a certain dream, but because of the circumstances, we couldn't fill. Of course, we had many dreams, but we cannot all fulfill that. But one or two central one, we can choose so that it'll be unburdened. Okay, I did. I wanted to, to do it for the last 30 years. Now, finally, I'm able to do it. And that will give tremendous satisfaction, a little calmness to the mind that yes. Those are the two preparations, material and mental pruning and fulfilling my dreams. Third one is bringing our attention to this body. Now I want to discover where this life is. Of course, I can discover the life in plants and trees and water, in other people, in a baby. But this life is continuously flowing in this body. As a tingling, as a sensation, as electricity, as passion, as delight. Now I must get connected to it. So the river of life, which always flows. So I dip my toes in it through my body. Because that is the best way. Very direct way. Of course, if you find a better means, that's also very good. So I become somatically aware. I become somatophil. Not through religion, not through spirituality, not because that is again a mind game which goes on. Again, distraction. I have to find something. I can discover that life in my child, in my grandchild, in a forest. And that is equally good if we can. dipping my toes, entering into the stream of life. And in Buddhism, it is called Srotapanabhav, a stream entrant, enter into the stream. And once we dip our toes into it, then Finally, we enter into fully. How? Again, we talked about it many times. Self-knowledge. Understanding my somatic, my innate personality with which I was born. So somatic awareness and the somatic personality. Self-knowledge. 
Now the new life is aligned according to that self-knowledge. It may take some time, then I enter into this river. And once we enter into this river, what will be the experience of flow, flow of life? And that flow life was experienced before also, but moments, few minutes, few hours, it didn't change much. But now once I enter, it is a continuous flow. And in those moments, we realize all those waves in this water of river were merely expression, manifestation, various activities. But now I know the flow underneath, which is timeless, which is eternal, which is infinite. And once this flow becomes strong enough, it will wash away myself. And where it will take me? To the ocean, the destiny of the river. And that is where we meet life in its totalness fullness, eternity, and we are liberated. Because in those moments we will know, even if this body dies, even if this mind dies, it doesn't make a dramatic difference because whatever mind and body was one of the expression, but underneath I will be the part of life. And life again means Conscious of that universal energy. So it won't be that I will be drowned in ignorance. I'll become unconscious after my death. No. This bridge from death to this experience will be conscious one. And we will be living it. Much before we die. That is why again, Yuji Krishnamurti's Words are so beautiful. The movement of life has no beginning or 